Hello and welcome to a very special edition of The World in 30 Minutes, our favourite edition of the year. This is the first podcast of 2023. It is normally the podcast on the events, policies and ideas that will shape the world from the European Council on Foreign Relations. But because it's the first one in the year, this is one where we looked about those that shape the world as well as those that will shape the world. My name's Mark Leonard. I'm director of ECFR. And this week, I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined once again by Jeremy Shapiro, who's the research director at ECFR and my annual compadre when it comes to, to sifting ahead the big geopolitical stories of the year ahead for 2023 but also it is that time when we have to hold ourselves to account and see how good we were at the soothsaying business the year before so jeremy you've been looking back at our predictions for last year how did we do yeah it was kind of a rough year accountability is a bitch it turns out that we uh we got only um using our our special self-judgment system just six out of 10 points this year. I think this is our worst performance in the six or seven years we've been doing this. And some would say it wasn't just a a quantitatively poor performance. It was kind of qualitatively poor as well because we did miss a big one. Anyway, we can look at that when we go into the details, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago, we missed COVID too. So I'm not sure that that's that's, um, bigger. But yeah, we missed... We missed the central plot of 2023, like everyone else, which is the war in Ukraine. And we'll discuss that. All right. So why don't we go back through the 10 predictions of of last year? We can look at one at a time and and work out what the appropriate mark we should get for that prediction is. Why don't you go first, Jeremy? Okay. Our first prediction was that the Democrats lose at least one House of the U.S. Congress in November, in the November midterm elections. So we started off on a pretty good note because the Democrats indeed did lose one house. And so we got a full point for that prediction. So the second one was we predicted that the US would open talks with Russia on the European security order, but that there would be no large scale Russian invasion of Ukraine. So um, this was what we were talking about earlier, not our our finest hour. Um, However, I think we, we can just about give ourselves half a point for the fact that the US did open talks with Russia on on European security um, and uh, had lots of discussions with Europeans as well. The documents were produced. So I think that should get us half a point. But uh, obviously, um, it's a bit like uh, the famous joke about about Lincoln's uh, wife after the play. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the, the, the point system is what the point system is. So we have no choice but to give ourselves a half a point on that one. Uh, the third prediction is that the developed world learns to live with COVID-19. Um, and in fact, that's broadly what has happened. Um, the COVID-19 still exists, but, um, with the exception of China, a big exception, but COVID-19 ceased in 2022 to be a sort of ever present fact, um, for the developed world. And we learned to accept it as a kind of normal part of life. Our fourth prediction was that Emmanuel Macron would win the French presidential presidential election and use his mandate to relaunch Europe. And we're giving ourselves a full point for that. Yeah, the fifth prediction was that Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban would lose the Hungarian election, but claim that he won. Arguably, we could give ourselves a half point on this. He hadn't, but I think you're right. He did definitely claim that he won. (laughs) 
he did won. claim that he won. I think the problem with the prediction is that he actually yeah. won fairly handily as, as as well. So I think um, we can't really even give ourselves a half point on that. So uh, it, it turns out that the main opponents of our prediction list this year were Vladimir Putin and Viktor Orban. So we're starting to feel as if the authoritarians are out to get us. And um, the the sixth prediction is that nuclear talks with Iran would founder while the country's nuclear program progresses. I think we could almost get two points for that, but but uh, but we'll just take the one because we're not greedy. The seventh prediction was that a faction of the Al- Afghan Taliban would overthrow the government and open up more international cooperation. This has decidedly not happened. Um, the Afghan Taliban has if anything, moved in the other direction and become um, somewhat harsher and more um, recalcitrant toward the outside world. So we got zero points on that. The eighth prediction was that China's emissions would continue to grow rapidly. Unfortunately, or fortunately for the world, even if it's unfortunate for our predictions, that did not happen. The the world's um, uh, carbon emissions went down quite dramatically as a result of of, of COVID, and um, so we're not giving ourselves any points for that. Yeah, I was really surprised we didn't win that one. The ninth prediction is that protests against high energy prices and the European Green Deal break out across the EU. Uh, this was a tough one, in fact, to, to grade because um, protests against high energy prices did break out across a lot of the EU. But they weren't because of the European Green Deal. They were, of course, because of the increase in energy prices due to the Ukraine war. So we gave ourselves a half point on that one. The 10th one was that the EU anti-coercion instrument would come into being, but the Chinese economic coercion would continue. So we're taking full marks for that one. Should we do the bonus one too? I think you should do. we should do the bonus one, even though it was not one that produced any points. The bonus prediction, which is a prediction that we make that's a sort of more fanciful one um, that almost always turns out to be wrong, is that uh, private space flight suffers its first fatal accident. As far as we know, um, there was no fatal accidents in private space flight in 2022. But of course, no one really knows what Elon Musk is hiding. So if you add all of those up and we don't take the half point for Victor Orban, then we end up with with six out of 10, which was, as Jerry said, not a a great result. It was a really tough year and one which I think will continue to reverberate through through history. And, you know, I I think we weren't alone in in missing the full-scale invasion of, of Ukraine. And I think it's meaning that we're going into 2023 with uh, with a lot more humility than we've even had in our previous predictions. But we have an N plus a bonus for you this year. I'm, of course, full of humility. But I think that uh, the failure to predict the Ukraine war, which we share with with, you know, even most of the Russians, does highlight that you can that in the predictions business, you can sort of think about all of the logical incentives to do uh, about why people will behave. But ultimately, people will do what people will do. And sometimes they will do very illogical and stupid things. Um, And it's quite difficult to predict that. And I think that's where we ended up with the war in Ukraine. Yeah, it also uh, shows that there are different logical systems as well. So that's one of the other challenges with all foreign policy issues, I suppose. Yeah. So, Jeremy, do you want to launch off on our predictions for 2023? What's the first thing that you got there? Okay, to try to make up for last year, our first prediction is that the war in Ukraine continues without 
any formal settlement. We think there'll be a, a bunch of different efforts by various interlocutors, Turkey, the UN, maybe Kazakhstan, to broker at least some sort of ceasefire. But although the intensity of the war will wax and wane over the course of the year, all of these efforts will come to naught because both sides will essentially remain confident in and will in victory and will prefer their efforts to shape the battlefield through military action. Our second prediction is that European and Western unity on the need to isolate and punish Russia and to support Ukraine will remain strong, but that the rest of the world will increasingly lose patience with the West. So one of the big surprises of 2022 was how determined and united the the West was. And we predict that there will be a steady drip of new sanctions against Russia, a steady flow of new weapons and assistance to Ukraine. There will be grumbling as the economic pain goes up, as refugee flows increase to different parts of the EU and, and populist parties start agitating against them. But we don't think that this will change, at least so long as Joe Biden is, is president of the, the US um, in 2023. And At the same time as that, we feel that the rest of the world is going to become increasingly frustrated about the second order effects of sanctions and higher energy prices. And that will manifest itself with ever less support when votes go to the UN from the rest of the world, a greater determination to to lessen the dependence of other countries on the dollar so that they're less bound into Western sanctions and less uh, diplomatic support. And I think increasingly countries will start normalizing their relationships with the Russians, doing more with the Chinese out of uh, frustration with the West. Okay. Our third prediction is that um, Donald Trump's legal problems will fail to put him in jail. He will therefore remain incredibly obnoxious and the front runner for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. There are at least uh, three open investigations about Trump. Some of these conceivably could lead to indictments, but none of them will in 2023 rise to the level that will create really any serious jeopardy of incarceration for Trump. And so as long as he remains free, these scandals are sort of politically irrelevant. And to the extent that they are relevant, they will only increase his popularity among the Republican base and increase his level of uh, obstreperousness. So we think by the end of 23, he will be, as he is today, the front runner for the Republican presidential nomination in 2024. Our fourth prediction is that China is going to be found to have violated Western secondary sanctions against Russia and that this will spark a crisis in US-China relations. There is already a kind of ongoing um, perma crisis in US-China relations, but this will lead to a to a flare up. And I think that uh, uh, what we're going to see are various things that trigger closer investigation into what China's doing. So far, it's been pretty good at, at um, navigating the red lines which Western countries have, have put in terms of their support for Russia. They've given a lot of moral support, but they haven't yet been caught in contravention of any of the direct sanctions, particularly when it comes to arms sales. But um, as Russia's situation becomes uh, increasingly strained, it's quite likely that the Chinese will find more and more creative ways of of supporting the Russians and that this could eventually uh, lead to a crisis. Our fifth prediction is that Israel and Saudi Arabia will reach an agreement 
agreement on greater economic and diplomatic exchanges, but they'll stop short of establishing formal diplomatic relations while um, King Salman is still alive. So what that means is that trade, investment, and diplomatic exchanges will all expand dramatically and fairly publicly. And that particularly the continued unrest in Iran will inspire an increase in Israel and Saudi Arabian cooperation on efforts to counter Iranian influence, but they won't quite establish diplomatic relations. They'll have them in all but name. Our sixth prediction is that the Polish Law and Justice Party will lose the parliamentary elections in Poland and that a new government will come in and settle the Polish disputes, both with the European Union and with Germany. We have seen a kind of strange shift in the, a striking shift in the opinion polls against the Law and Justice Party as the economic and other circumstances have got worse recently. And as the rally around the flag effect from the the war in Ukraine has diminished, so we predict that they will lose the election to a a semi-united opposition. And that once this new government's in place, they will move quickly to to settle the disputes with the EU. They'll end the the kind of second front which the Polish government's opened up against Germany. And this could lead to a a real relaunch of, of European integration. Our seventh prediction is that Turkey launches a further incursion into northern Syria to expand its protected zone, and that in part as a result, President Erdogan and his AKP party retain power after the Turkish election in in 2023. We think that the Turkish military will will launch this further incursion into northern Syria to suppress Kurdish quote-unquote terrorists. The Assad regime will protest vehemently, but their Russian sponsors will prevent them from responding. And the, the Americans will similarly decide not to challenge Turkey and that um, this will be basically an election ploy, but that it will work and that the consequent rally around the flag effect, as well as various pre-election legal shenanigans, which we've already seen through, the, for example, the charging of the mayor of Istanbul, that Erdogan and the AKP will, despite very difficult polls, still manage to win the 2023 election. Our eighth prediction is that a debt crisis will emerge in Africa, spawning competitive Chinese, Russian and Western efforts to offer relief. What we have often seen in the past is that recession in the developed world translates into a debt crisis in in many countries in Africa. But the big difference is that this time round, it's not just going to be about Africa's relations with the West. A lot of the debt which they have is actually debt towards China rather than towards Western institutions. And it's quite likely that there'll be a competitive process to trade debt relief for geopolitical influence as all of these powers scramble in and try and shore up their support in the fastest growing uh, part of the the world uh, demographically and ultimately uh, probably also economically. Okay, our ninth prediction is that the market for critical resource materials will tighten considerably, spawning both transatlantic and Western Chinese trade tensions as they compete for minerals. By critical resource materials, we mean the sort of uh, minerals that are necessary uh, for key green technology production. And as 
global efforts to invest in green technology production, things like uh, solar panels and batteries and that type of thing, and um, turbines, um, increase commodity prices for key minerals, which aren't expanding at a similar rate. These include things like lithium and nickel, really risk spiking. And we've seen some of this already, but we think that there will be a lot more in 2023. Europe the U.S. and China will begin or maybe bring out into the open a rather unseemly contest to secure source supplies for those minerals, really increasing global trade tensions as they try to lock up supplies. The U.S. in particular is going to seek to launch a global consortium on critical minerals, a sort of buyer's club um, that might seek to provide things like price floors. That idea will intrigue the Europeans, um, but fail to gain much traction in the global south. Our 10th and final prediction is that energy prices are not going to massively increase in 2023 and that the EU will not have any serious energy shortages. In some ways, that means a a repeat of the uh, dynamics in 2022, where there's a lot of storm and drang about energy But ultimately, the EU managed to find enough supplies from other places. We think the decoupling from Russia will be almost completed by the end of of, of 2023. And maybe partly because of the climate, a slightly warmer climate, partly because of the global economic downturn, and also because of the flexibility of energy markets, there will be no major crises in the winter of 2023-24. Okay, our bonus prediction for this year is that the U.S. moves to ban TikTok or force its sale to a non-Chinese company and that it pressures Europeans to do the same. U.S. authorities um, are going to become, and the U.S. Congress, are going to become more and more frustrated in 2023 by revelations that TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, is not adhering to previous agreements on keeping data out of the the hands of Chinese authorities. And they'll also become um, ever more annoyed by the endless stream of ridiculous dance videos coming from their teenagers. So the US Congress pushed by the the new Republican, but um, with the support of the Biden administration will move to, to force the sale of TikTok or ban it from the US market. This is something that Trump proposed a couple of years ago, but then backed off when there was an agreement from ByteDance about how to treat the data. I think what will be new is that the US will similarly pressure the Europeans to join them in this effort, making it a new test of the European adherence to US policy on China. Great. Well, those are our predictions for 2023. Be great to hear whether you think we were right in our assessment of our performance in 2022, or if you think we missed anything for the year ahead. You can write to us about your own predictions on Twitter, hashtag world in 30 minutes, and we will read out some of the best predictions in our next podcast. We will be putting up a commentary version of the predictions we just made on our website, but we will also have some other recommendations for you because we still have our bookshelf segment left. Jeremy, what do you want to recommend to our listeners? I just finished Exhalation, which is a collection of uh, stort- short stories by the science fiction writer Ted Chine. It's a little bit hard to categorize them, but the the title story is about is basically about the second law of thermodynamics, and it's a story 
about how a world of um, essentially robots was created through breath. Uh, and it's a sort of uh, analogy to the Big Bang's creation of uh, organic life. Wow, sounds very heavy. Uh, it's, it does. Uh, it is definitely mind-bending. So I've been reading quite a lot of fiction during the, um, the holidays, trying to run away from current events, and would like to recommend two novels. One was Anéantir by Michel Houellebecq, which is very, uh, I think, gripping, but kind of also surprisingly sentimental story from the um, uh, most sort of high-profile French novelist of our, of our times, uh, and the other one was a novel called Vladimir by Julia May Jones. It's not about Vladimir Putin, but uh, it's a campus novel where the protagonist writes a lot about the sort of shifting norms around gender and sexuality. And uh, the Vladimir in question is, is, in fact, an academic and a writer in this campus in, the, in, upper state, in upstate New York rather than um, the president of Russia. But it's a very thought provoking and interesting analysis, exegesis of the different ways that different generations and people are thinking about identity issues in, in the 2020s. And I also want to very warmly recommend a new podcast, which we've started on ECFR on air called Insight China, where we talk to some of the leading thinkers in China on different issues. The first episode with Wang Jisoo is already available. So please check that out and you can subscribe to that on whatever platform you're using to listen to us on now. Well, we hope you've enjoyed listening to the podcast. We will be very excited to see what predictions you have for the year ahead. Please let other people know about it by writing about it on your social media page or ours, but above all, hopefully by subscribing to the podcast on a platform that you've used to download this from. And while you're there, it'd be great if you could give us a good rating and a five-star review. But for now, from Jeremy Shapiro and myself, Mark Leonard, it's goodbye. We wish you a very happy 2023. The editor of this episode is Marlene Riedel and our researcher is Anand Sundar.